From the Museum of Science Boston, this is Pulsar, a podcast where we answer questions from you, our audience. I'm your host, Eric O'Day. My guest today is Chuck Wilcox, who has been teaching museum visitors about the night sky in our planetarium for over three decades. Chuck, thanks for talking with me today. You're welcome, Eric. Pleasure to be here. So we've got a lot of questions from our listeners about meteor showers. So why don't we start with what is a meteor? So a meteor is anything that falls into the atmosphere. And when we usually think of a meteor, we think of a piece of rock or something about the size of a pebble or a piece of dust that enters the atmosphere. So this is something that's not far away in space. This is something that is in the near Earth environment, maybe 50, 100 miles up in the atmosphere. So when a piece of material enters the atmosphere, it is usually moving at thousands of miles an hour. And when it slams into the Earth's upper atmosphere, even though it's very rarefied there, there's not much air up there, it heats up to thousands of degrees. And that is hot enough to make the air around it glow. And that's why we see a streak of light. And we look up and see this streak of light in the sky and we say, oh, a meteor. And that's the air being heated by the passage of this object entering the atmosphere. The term shooting star is often applied to meteors. Now, a meteor is not a shooting star. It has nothing to do with stars. Stars are trillions of miles away. Meteors are very close to us, 90, 100 miles up in the atmosphere. They're tiny pieces of rock and dust. So the two are completely different. Now, a meteor shower is when we get a whole bunch of meteors at once. So what causes that? Several times a year, the number of meteors that you see goes dramatically up. Usually on any clear night, when you're looking up at a night sky far away from city lights, you might see one every five, 10 minutes or something like that coming from random directions. But sometimes in the year, there are maybe 50 or 60 per hour or even more that happen because at the same time every year, the Earth plunges into a swarm of these particles that are left behind by an old comet. And when that happens, you get a lot of dust entering the atmosphere at great frequency, so you get these meteor showers. So we got a question from James. When we have meteor showers, do they actually hit the ground? Good question, James. And there are certainly objects that have hit the ground many times throughout the long history of the Earth. The streak of light that you're likely to see in the night sky during the Perseid meteor shower or the Geminid meteor shower or others are not going to hit the ground. This is basically space dust, particles that are the size of a mote of dust or a grain of sand or maybe even the size of a small pebble. Don't forget that it's generating tremendous heat as it enters the atmosphere, and that will vaporize that kind of small particle long before it reaches the ground. So you mentioned a couple of those meteor showers by name. When are the best ones so we can put them on our calendar? depends on how you measure the best meteor shower. One obvious way is the one that produces the greatest number of meteors per hour. That is a meteor shower that happens in December, the night of December 13th and 14th. It's called the Geminid meteor shower. The trouble is that occurs during a particularly cold time of the year to go outside and observe the night skies. The one that's most famous, the one that most people go out and see, is the Perseid meteor shower that occurs on the night of August 12th. Now, you can see Perseid meteors for a few nights either side of that date, but it peaks. The highest rate is on August 12th every year. So we got a question from Emma about the moon. Why do you always hear about what kind of phase the moon is during a meteor shower? Well, the moon is important for the same reason that city lights or the lack of city lights is important. When you're looking for these streaks of light, some of them can be faint, 
and some of them don't grab your attention for that reason. So it helps to level the playing field, if you will, by having as dark a sky as you possibly can. Obviously, the middle of the city is not a particularly good place to see meteor showers from. It cuts down on the number of meteors that you can see if you have light pollution from all the lights of the city, billboards, stadium lights, all parks, airports, things like that all make light. So the farther you can get away from the city, the better chance you have of seeing lots of meteors. Now, the moon itself also adds glare to the sky. It is a source of light pollution, especially around the time of the full moon. Any time between the first quarter moon and the last quarter moon are not good times to see a meteor shower. So you hope for a meteor shower that doesn't fall near the time of the full moon. So we want to pick our date, get it on the calendar, then go outside, far away from the city, make sure the moon's not up. Any other tips for watching a meteor shower? Yes, get to a place where you have as wide open a view of the sky as possible. And that leads into another thing that people might have heard about. These meteor showers have names because the meteors all appear to come from a particular constellation in the sky. For example, the Perseid meteor shower is named the Perseid meteor shower because somebody noticed long ago that all the meteors in that shower seem to radiate from the constellation of Perseus and other meteor showers have different constellations that they appear to move out from. That doesn't mean that you need to just look at the constellation Perseus. Perseus meteor can appear anywhere in the sky. So great to have as wide open a view of the sky as you possibly can and sit down, get a nice lawn chair, get comfortable and prepare to spend a good chunk of time looking for meteors. The other thing is that meteors tend to be best around or after midnight, not early in the evening so much. Because after midnight, the part of the Earth that you're on is facing towards where the meteors are coming from. In the evening sky, that tends not to be the case. But after midnight, the Earth rotates into the stream, as it were. You can see more meteors. So do you have a favorite meteor shower that you've seen, or maybe even just a favorite object that has fallen through the atmosphere? At the Museum of Science, actually, we have a fragment that fell to Earth. It's actually a piece of something that was not associated with a meteor shower, but an asteroid that crashed into the Earth about 50,000 years ago in Arizona. And that particular asteroid broke into chunks, and the museum got one of those chunks. For meteor showers, there is a meteor shower called the Leonids that normally is a fairly minor shower that occurs in November. And it usually produces no more than 10 or 15 meteors an hour from a dark sky. But that particular meteor shower in the year 2001 went crazy. It produced what's called a meteor storm, where instead of the normal 15 meteors per hour, we had rates well over 1,000 or 2,000 meteors per hour. And every 33 years, that Leonid meteor shower goes crazy. Because remember I said there, those meteors happened because there was a swarm of particles and the Earth enters that swarm. A particularly dense cluster in that swarm passes by the Earth once every 33 years. That's why in 2001, 2002, we had this incredible storm. We knew it was coming. And that's the most memorable thing. I was on top of a mountain in New Hampshire and we were all looking around and seeing all these streaks of light raining down. It was amazing. That sounds so cool. Well, Chuck, thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge about meteors with us. Oh, you're welcome. If you'd like to have one of your questions answered by a visiting expert or a Museum of Science educator, you can email them to sciencequestions at mos.org. 
If you enjoyed this episode of Pulsar, don't forget to subscribe on the Apple Podcast app or on Spotify, as well as leaving a rating or review for us. Please visit www.mos.org slash science matters to support MOS at home. That's it for this episode of Pulsar. Join us again soon.